Hello there, and welcome once again to Insight Peterborough. I'm Devin Wilkins. We have a full hour this week of information for you, so I won't babble on too long. I did want to say, though, that this past week was National Accessibility Week, and Area Lions uh, really were able to participate. Other people, not quite so much because of the current public health crisis that we're experiencing. But I will tell you that on the last Sunday in May, which was May 30th, the East Peterborough Lions Club uh, supported Barb Robinson, who is a member of that club, Uh, in her fundraiser to raise money for the Lions Foundation of Canada Dog Guide Training Center, where she hopes to shortly uh, get a a service dog when things uh, start opening up more than they are now. And uh, so she raised over uh, $500 for that. And then this past Saturday, Frank Hewitt, who is the incoming president of the East Peterborough Lions Club, along with John and Lynn Morris, who are both graduates of the uh, Leader Dogs for the Blind in Rochester Hills, Michigan, and members of the Shimon Lake Lions Club, did a walk uh, to raise money for leader dogs for the blind. So I've been saying all week that area lions have been celebrating National Accessibility Week by going to the dogs. All right, uh, this week uh, is the first Monday in June, and that's traditionally when we speak with Kim Kilpatrick, who is a uh, program coordinator with Get Together with Technology, which is a wing of the Canadian Council of the Blind. And this month, we talk about how to download books from the Centre for Equitable Library Access, CELA which is in Toronto. Now, before anyone tunes us out, if you are not blind, but you are otherwise print disabled, perhaps you are unable to hold a a book because of, uh, say, multiple sclerosis or ALS or uh, an accident or whatever, uh, you can take advantage of this too. So please do listen to uh, Kim and I, as uh, to Kim and me, as we chat about downloading books from the Center for Equitable Library Access, CELA. Well, hi there, Kim, and welcome back to uh, another edition of Get Together with Kim. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Getting ready for summer. 
Uh, well, I'm I'm trying to get there. You know, I, I'm trying to learn how to download uh, podcasts onto my Victor Stream, and also download some books from Sila. So, which is uh, kind of giving rise to our conversation today. Yeah, because one of the things I love to do in the summer, well, I love to read anytime, but in the summer, you know, when you get some time off or, you know, somewhere where you can just relax and read a good book. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of the time to read a book if you're, if you're into that kind of thing. You know, yeah. when it's hot, you're, you're at a, uh, I don't know, we, I don't know if we're, we'll be on vacation, but even in your yard or, you know, when you're, you're somewhere in a park or something, getting some air, you can yeah. get a nice book to read. So, so yeah, I think that's a really great topic. I have a, uh, um, a patio uh, outside my apartment here, and uh, and then there's the grass where I take uh, Frankie. But <laughs> yeah, I, you don't want to be... Don't want to be hanging out there too much. <laughs> no, but but it, it would be nice to sit on the the patio, uh, and I have a chair out there already, and uh, maybe when the sun isn't blazing down on it, I could sit on the the patio and do some uh, reading or some podcast uh, listening or whatever you know. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Usually, I'm not a an outside person, because what do you do outside, you know, especially if you're on your own. But uh, um, anyway, I, I will do that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's nice. Well, even if you're inside, you know, it's kind of nice, too, if it's a rainy day. Yeah. And the rain is falling and you're inside and you don't have a lot you need to do and you can just, just read a book. I, I guess sometimes it depends on your family. I come from a big family of readers. So yeah. Almost everybody read a lot, so I I I grew up, you know, kind of doing that too. Yes. I really like that. So, um, and Sela Library. So I don't know uh, if the listeners only know about Sela Library. So no, I was going to ask you if you could tell us about the Sela uh, Library. What uh, what that library is? And it used to be called CNIV Library before, but Sela stands for. Center for Equitable Library Access, and it is a library of books and materials for people who are unable to read print um, because of a disability. So people often think of it as just for people who are blind, but I know some people with MS and other disabilities where it's hard for them to, to actually hold a book, a physical book, that have gotten access to those books yeah. and, and other disabilities, maybe also some learning disabilities where, you know, dyslexia are things where it's difficult to actually read. Sometimes listening to books is easier. Um, so Sila has, and you can um, get membership to Sila. You can do it through your public library. I don't, I don't know tons about that part because I was, as I'm sure you were, grandfathered in because I've been a member of CNIB Library forever, so I didn't have to join it. So, um, but there there is a form that you you do and for the proof of disability, which I think you can. Um, I don't I don't quite know everything about that, but it's sort of laid out on the on their website, CELALibrary.ca. Mm-hmm. So C E L A Library.ca. Uh huh. Um, and so on there, there's a lot of different things. So they have. Books 
um, both human-narrated and sort of screen-reader-type narrated synthetic speech. Yeah. As well as electronic Braille and hard copy Braille. And I'm trying to think of the other materials they have. Oh, some for kids, little kids and parents, they have some print Braille books, too. Um, there's a lot of magazines that you can get, but they're, you can subscribe to a bunch of magazines. They have newspapers you can read. Those you can't download to a device. But So they have a lot of materials, and they have get so many books now. They're, they're kind of combined with a service called Bookshare, which, which has a lot of books, um, mostly not human-narrated books, those, those ones, but tons and tons of titles. I don't even know how many titles they would have uh-huh. on CLS. Uh, so you can download the books to, um, uh, to, uh, to uh, your Daisy player, so a Victor Stream. You can download them to your phone. Um, there's an app called Dolphin Easy Reader, which is free, that lets you uh, put the books um, onto your uh, bookshelf. You have to do it sort of on the computer or on the web browser of your phone to load them into your account. But once they're there, they'll show up on your shelf, and you can you can download them or you can stream them. You can use the app Voice Stream Reader which is a paid app to get books from Sheila onto your phone or, or other device, a smart device. Um, and also, I've never really read them on a computer, but I suppose you can just read them on a computer. I've never, personally, I've never done that. Yeah. Um, if you're a Braille user and you have a Braille display, an electronic display, you can download electronic Braille books that you can load onto that. Or if you're a Braille user and you like hard copy Braille, just over the past couple of years, they started something called single-use Braille. And when you request a Braille book, it used to be, and some of your listeners may remember, and I certainly remember, getting whole huge um, bags of Braille oh, books yes. that you had to lug. I remember that. And whatever. (laughs) And they were sometimes rubbed down and sometimes tattered, and once in a while, you know, a volume could be missing or something could, you know, they they started to feel kind of rough around the edges after a while. Yes. Um, So they don't do that anymore. Uh, They, when you request a book in Braille, they just make a copy for you, and it's yours to keep. You can keep it. You can send it back if you want, and they would just recycle it, but they don't. They just recommend you either keep it or you recycle it. Oh, yeah. It's, it's paper, so you could put it in your paper, recycle. Yeah. And it, it feels sort of like they feel like magazines with, with no covers, like it doesn't have big covers. Uh-huh. But the Braille is really beautiful because it's, you know, it's like fresh Braille, right? It's yeah. Not, not rubbed down or anything, and you can, you can kind of keep it for yourself if you want, or you can... Um, you know, get rid of it. Yeah. A few people I know, and I guess uh, it's okay because they're all members, like they're all Braille readers, members. I've switched books with people a couple times. Oh, yeah. You know, that was, that 
had something that I hadn't read it. Yeah. They just passed it to me when they were done, and then I either recycled it or, or the same with me. Like I would have a book and say, "Oh, I got this book." Yeah. But I don't. I don't get them too, too much. But sometimes I've I've gotten I got a few just to see what it was like, and mm-hmm. I did like it. Um, now, can you do the lots, same? Lots of ways. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Can you do the same with um, uh, books that uh, you can uh, download the audio? Can you, if you wanted to keep it, can you uh, make yourself a copy of it? Well, technically, you can keep a book you download onto your device. You can keep it forever if you want to, uh-huh. um, because you actually download it onto your device. So you can keep it, but it means that uh, I think they have bigger limits now of how many books you can have on your shelf. But if you if you keep it, you may limit the numbers that you have uh-huh. available to you. But if you download it in, in uh, Daisy Zip, like not on your direct player bookshelf. So there's there's two bookshelves. So there's two ways of doing it. There's a direct player bookshelf. So when you when you go into Steal the Library, say you search for a book, and you get a bunch of uh, you get the book, you find it, you hear about it's what you want. There's a, a button there called Choose Your Format, and so then it will tell you the format it's available in. So say it will say direct to player. So that is you choose that one if you want it to go directly onto your direct to player shelf in say Voice Stream Reader. I mean not Voice Stream Reader, I'm sorry, Victor Stream or Dolphin Easy Reader. Uh-huh. And it'll just put it there and you don't have to unzip it, you don't have to do anything with it. If you choose Daisy Zip it just goes onto the downloads part of your computer, and then you have to put that book onto onto your device yourself, onto your phone or onto your device. Okay. So it, Sila doesn't know. Like, once it's there, they just say, well, when you're done with it, please delete it. Or yeah. But if you want to keep some books, like there are a few books that I kept. Yeah. You know, and I just would keep them because I like them or I might want to read them again or it was poetry or a cookbook or yeah. something, dog grooming book or I don't know, something I might want to keep yeah. and read, read, you can keep them. It's okay. Yes. Um, it, it's not good to share them. Like, I would never share them with someone who who wouldn't be eligible for, no. you know, for the service. Like, they don't want you just giving it to anyone or trying to post it somewhere so yeah. that people can take it or something like that. But if, if you have it, I, I, it's okay. Like, I think it's, it's, um, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So when you are on Sila, um, a little bit different now than it used to be, there's a, there's a button called My Account. And in there, that's where you would log in. So you would put your username and your password. So once you... Join Sheila, they're going to give you username and password. Right. You put that, put that in there. Um, often it keeps you logged in, like if you tell it to remember that. The next time you go on the browser, like it should it should just say welcome in your name because they know yeah. who you are. They remember that. So 
that's part of it. And then um, under that is also it'll show you what books are on your direct player shelf. So you can you can put more books there, or you can take some off. You can delete them if you don't want them there. And it'll show you what books you might have waiting for you in Daisy Zip. Oh, okay. And what magazines you might have. So when you so nowadays when you go and do a search. So there's a, there's a button that says skip to search, and when you get there, you can just type in like a bit of a title or a bit of an author or something. Yeah. And you'll get results there. And like I said, it'll say the name of the book, the author, and then it'll say whether it's synthetic audio or human narrated audio. Okay. Can you stand so, the synthetic audio for a whole book? Can I stand it? Yes. Uh, I don't prefer it myself, no. really. Um it's interesting because if it's a book, if it's a non-fiction book, yeah, I'm more able to tolerate it. But a fiction book, I, I really, I personally can't. No. Do not like it. It sure is a tedious and monotonous to get through. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I would prefer human narrative audio. And, and this is a fairly new thing. They've put that on because some people are saying, well, I got these books and I downloaded and it wasn't human narrative and I don't like that. Yeah. So it'll say synthetic audio or human narrated audio. Oh, that's good. Uh, and so you know. Yeah. So then just below that, there's the get, there's the um, format, choose the format button. So if you have a device that has um, direct to player, like a Victor Stream, or you're using Easy Reader, you can select direct to player. Um, and if you don't, then you would have to pick Daisy Zip. But Say you do have something that has direct to player, like either of those two things, you select direct to player, and then you tap, and there's a button that says get it, and so you 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 tap on that, Yeah. and then it'll say it'll be available in your direct player shelf shortly. Okay. And then you go back to search, so you can put a whole bunch in there, and then the next time, you know, you put your device on, those books should show up in your shelf, like... Like you would go, say on your stream, you would go to your online service if you connected Seela Library to your player, uh-huh. um, and and it'll show you. You say browse browse your bookshelf, and then it'll show you them, and then you you can tap on them to download them, or you can yes, yeah. you can download them yourself, or you can set your stream to download automatically. Uh-huh. Um, and an easy reader app to. Uh, you can stream it or you can download it, and and then when you're done, uh, say you're on a Victor stream, you can press three to return the book. So it's kind of like when you press three to delete something. It's kind of similar to that. Oh, uh, okay. It just gets yeah. you and they, and they return the book, and the book is gone, and then you can have more books. Um, so it's it's quite good. Like it it's it's really, and they've gotten so many more books. Uh, they get a lot of books, and it seems that they get a lot more current books. Like I remember, you know, say your friends were reading something, or yes. you, you know, you knew people that were reading something, and they were talking about a book. You wouldn't necessarily have it very fast, but it seems it seems to be getting faster. Now, some of that is not human narrated audio. Some uh-huh. of that is, you know, synthetic right. audio, but. Um, they still seem to 
have a lot of human edited audio, and I think they're getting some of it from some of the companies that produce audio books. Yes. Like, I can't remember the names of, not Audible, but uh, some of the other ones. Yes. And and some of it is from other libraries like RNIV or um, in the U.K. or someone told me now they have, are getting, starting to get some from the U.S. because the agreement is there, the... Uh, Oh, why can't I think of the name? Marrakesh? Marrakesh, the Marrakesh Treaty. Yes. Which, which lets countries share books um, with each other. Yeah. Which is such a great idea, because remember in the past, each country would record their version of something. Right? Yes. And then you'd all have the same books, or you wouldn't, and you didn't get access to them, but... It's so great that libraries are going to be starting to share yes. all of the books they can with each other. Now, there's a service in the States called BARD, and we still here in Canada cannot get I wish we could get, well, I think what they're doing is they're putting NLS books into SELA. Ah. We'll get access to BARD, but we will get access to the books. But I really wish, because the BARD app apparently on your phone is so good. Is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Wow. You can, you can easily read things and read Braille right from that app and all this. And wow. I really, you know, it would be great if, if we could access, yeah. you know, that app, too, and you can search within the app. And I don't know if Easy Reader, they're, they're probably, uh, I mean, they keep developing it. So maybe maybe someday you'll be able to search. From within, like the Victor Stream, or from within Delphin Easy Reader, for your books right on your device. Yes. Because that's not available right now. You're oh, not okay. able to do that. Yeah. Now, I will mention that Sheila still has CDs that they can send you. Uh-huh. Um, so they'll send you, it's a CD, though, and it can't be used in a regular player, so like someone's old stereo or something, it has to be a a talking book player that plays those CDs. Yeah. But they are trying to get people away from them, partly because they have trouble getting CDs, like acquiring CDs to burn them or oh, really? put them on. Oh. Yeah, because people are mostly, a lot more people are downloading, right? Yes. Just downloading. So there aren't as many available. So they're really not recommending that you use CDs, but... They still will do it, I think, for you if you want. Now, the other thing that some people do, I know some people we've helped that don't, that aren't very computer savvy and they don't want to load their own, you know, book. Uh-huh. Um, I've gotten people to, to do it for them, so... Say a family member or a really trusted friend um, have access to your account, and Sheila can designate people as um, I don't remember what they call it, but you know, um, accounts like helpers. Or, oh yeah, you know, that's not the word they say. But other people, you know, have given their username and password to you know a family member to help them load the books on. Yeah, device. that's good. Or onto an SD card or something, you know, to put in their device so that if they don't, or load their bookshelf. So if they're able to use the direct-to-player 
um, on their stream or on their phone, easy reader, but they don't feel comfortable getting the books and, and going to Sheila and downloading it and putting it there. Uh, they can do that. Also, the library staff, if you have a, um, an interest, say a genre and a, or an author or something, yeah. you can tell the staff that and they can load yourself. Like they can keep track of yourself and see, oh, you don't have any more books. Okay, I'm going to put more books. Remember, so I don't know if you did this, but in the past, you know, when they would send you books in the past, yes. you would have, like, you would put things on hold or you would tell them, I like mysteries or yeah. I hate um, westerns or I like uh, biography or whatever. And they would just send you books. They would kind of, you know, pick them and send them. Yeah. I, you know, I did that. fun about that. I mean, there were things I hated about that because sometimes they'd send you books out of sequence in a in a in a trilogy or oh yes, but yeah. there were things I loved about it because it was almost like getting a gift. Like you didn't know what that book was going to be about. And <laughs> yeah, sometimes you hate them and you send them back, but sometimes you just you love them. But you might not have picked that book yourself. Yes. Any more, uh, Kim, to tell me? Tell us about. Well, I think this is. I mean, we could go through in more detail if people had questions. Um, how to do a search and, you know, different things, the things on the site because there's, uh, they have sections like the top five reads this month or you can search by category. So if people wanted that, but I, I don't sort of want to overwhelm overwhelm people with so much information yeah. about them. You know what um, would be kind of neat to do some uh, months, uh, Kim, is if we could gather enough questions from listeners together, uh, regardless of what it was about, and you could either say, yes, I know about this, or uh, I'll, I'll take it I would it love that. I, I, I hope people do ask questions. Um, or if you have comments, like if you find uh, it's easier for you to do this versus that, you know, so tips. People and yeah, that, that would be awesome. I don't know. I think it would be really great if people did it. You yeah. Know? So if you're out there listening to this and you have a, a question or, or a comment, uh, send it to insightpeterborough at gmail.com. That's insightpeterborough at gmail.com. Yeah, uh, that would be great. Yeah. I, I think that would. Because it's, it's, it's easier then when we, when you know and I know what kinds of things people want to know about, you know, and what yeah. they, what they feel are important and maybe something we thought, I thought was straightforward, maybe it isn't, you know, to, to, to them. Yeah. So I find that, I find that really helpful, I would say. And I could send the uh, questions or comments to you in advance just so you'd know what was coming up. And oh, yeah. 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 So it's not like a, what do you call it, those talk shows where the open mind. Yes. <laughs> open mind show, right, where no one knew who was going to call in. That's right. Yeah. It, it won't be like that, I guess. No, no, no. <laughs> Friendly is the way to go here on Insight Peterborough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think, I think um, we're not allowed 
they got uh, when I when we were doing the radio show, you're not allowed to have actually those um, call-in shows or something. Oh yeah, because <laughs> I didn't know what in the world people might talk about. Yeah, something like that. I've done. I don't know totally exactly, but I've done a couple about specific topics, um, but. Um, doing the uh, technology to make the phone in um, aspect work properly is uh, a little bit dicey so uh, I don't uh, do that much anymore and besides now that uh, COVID is with us I can't do live radio anyway no so, no yeah I miss it too yeah well so thanks fun doing yeah this. Thank you, Kim, for doing this. Thank you so much. uh, Yeah, and we'll be in touch uh, in July and August to uh, talk as well. I don't know what we'll talk about, and certainly if any... people have questions or comments or topics or things... Definitely. We'd love to know. Yeah, insightpeterborough at gmail.com. Okay. So you have a nice June. You too. And uh, we'll speak to you shortly after... Canada Day. That sounds great. Thanks, Kim. Thank you. What can we do to assist 42 fellow Ontarians to maintain their current level of sight? And what can we do to participate in this year's version of Cycle for Sight? Those are two questions that Doug Earle, the Executive Director of Fighting Blindness Canada, answers for us. Well, hi there, Doug, and thanks for coming back to the program uh, to be with us. I I think we have a lot to talk about today. We do, and thank you for having me. I know that for the past few weeks um, you've had a petition up there for people to sign regarding um, Health Canada covering the cost of uh, Luxterna for people who require it. Can you tell us a a little bit about that and talk maybe too about uh, who um, requires uh, Luxterna? conditions would these people have?
therapy because of the cost, right? Oh, 
And this million dollars would cover all 42 people? No, the treatment is, uh, is a million, uh, the artist is asking for a million dollars per treatment. Oh, I see. It's, it's a one-time treatment, uh, and and it's, it, it just replaces that RPE 65 gene. Uh, and once, once that happens, the protein is produced, uh, the biological process to help restore sight kicks in, and, and uh, people's sight is restored. Ah. So, it, so our goal is, and, you know, the evidence so far has been uh, that, that it lasts a lifetime. Uh, there's been no uh, evidence presented that it doesn't. So this is a one-time treatment that restores uh, sight and the night vision in particular for people that have this RPE 65. It's, it's the first precedent, really precedent setting, and it's so important that we get this one publicly funded because there will be, you know, we're tracking over 90 trials around the world for gene therapy or stem cell treatments uh, for inherited retinal diseases and, and other other diseases as well mm-hmm. uh, that, that, you know, if we get the precedent that this one's publicly funded, then it makes it easier for us to get the rest of these treatments funded as well. Right. So it's actually $42 million that you're asking for. government of Canada, or I mean Ontario, that you're petitioning as opposed to uh, Health Canada. Yes. Yeah, so, it, so if people, your listeners in Ontario uh, fill out the email, it'll go to Doug Ford and Christine Elliott, the health minister, and also their local MPP. Yes. Just to raise the profile, uh, raise our voice, stand up, uh, and set the precedent so that these type of treatments will be funded for as, as Okay. So can you tell me the, uh, the, the uh, first of all, <clears throat> the website that you're talking about, will it have um, uh, links to the various MPPs across the province so that uh, uh, people will be able to directly email their MPPs office? Yes. So uh, when, when you go on to the site... You'll see uh, one of the uh, buttons is send an email. So all you have to do is put in your name, your address, and your uh, email, uh, so your first name, last name, email address, and post a code. And based on your post a code, uh, the letter will automatically be generated to your local MPP. Okay. So tell me the, uh, the website again. It's approved with Sterna. So A P P R O V E and and Luxterna call one word L U X T U R N A dot C A. Okay, and no uh, slashes or dashes between approve and Luxterna. Approve Luxterna is one word. Okay, all right. So hopefully uh, people will take a minute or two out of their busy day to. Um, um, 
change the lives, help change the lives of these 42 fellow Ontarians. Yes, and, and also to uh, set the precedent so these future treatments will be funded as well. Yes, yeah. So when we have, as I like to say, we have one gene down, 279 to go. <laughs> yes, well, hey, um, Ellen. That's right. And uh, one step is the beginning of uh, <clears throat> a journey of a thousand miles, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. But this, this, this is the precedent. It's such an amazing moment in time uh, that, you know, the research theory is now research reality. Yes. Reality. All right. Um, now, you have a uh, fundraiser coming up later on this month called uh, Cycle for Sight. Can you... Uh, is it going to be virtual again this year? Yes, it is uh, for the second year because of COVID uh, and all the restrictions. Uh, it is going to be a virtual event on Saturday, June 19th. Uh, we're asking Canadians to uh, help uh, help raise funds for this critical vision research. This uh, such an amazing moment in time uh, to support research so we can accelerate the, the discoveries uh, converting them to clinical trials and the treatments and getting, and getting those treatments approved and funded. So that, that's the mission of Fighting Blindness Canada. And, and basically we're asking Canadians to let's move together, uh, whether it's walking, uh, you know, yoga, just do something physical. If, if, if only, that, you know, one, to support such an amazing uh, moment in time of vision research, but also it, it's a great coping strategy for this pandemic. Uh, exercise helps with mental wellness and, of course, keeping keeping uh, those COVID pounds off as we've been uh, sitting around uh, our homes. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's great to get outside uh, or just walk up and down the stairs, uh, do, do some yoga. We have lots of programming happening. Uh, so uh, our Paralympian, Lowell Taylor, is leading... Uh, a ride on uh, on his um, on, on Swift. Uh, we have uh, a intensive spinning class. Uh, we'll have some yoga, some uh, some other uh, exercise uh, participation, providing us some content around different uh, low intensity uh, ways of getting up and moving uh, in this, uh, this COVID time. So, uh, but it is our cycle on Saturday, June 19th, uh, as we're raising money to fund vision research. Okay. Uh, so what time uh, uh, will the live activities be starting? Yeah. So uh, basically uh, what we're doing is, uh, is, is, is pretty self-directed, actually. Uh, so we will have launching uh, first thing in the morning, so like 7, 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, there will be our, our launch video. Uh, and, and basically, you can watch that before you start your activity. It will be a short 20-minute uh, or so in uh, kickoff. Uh, and then you do your activity. And then after, uh, after lunchtime, uh, we'll be releasing our uh, Crossing the Finish Line uh, programming, which will be another sort of 30 minutes.
Uh, so you can watch the spring class, you can watch the yoga class. Uh, there will be defi uh, defined times for the swift rides at Small Taylor. Um, they, ha they have this neat thing where uh, uh, the elastic feature will be on, so, so you'll keep up with Lowell. So he'll be doing his normal pace as a Paralympian, uh, our civil, silver medalist uh, for Canada uh, at the uh, Parapanam Games in the, in, in, the, in the New World. Uh, but, and, and he's a hopeful if, if the Paralympic Games move forward in Tokyo. Uh, and, uh, and, and so you'll be able to keep up with Lowell this elastic feature of the swift ride. So, so you, you pedal at your pace, and Lowell's pedaling at his pace, but, it, but you're going as fast as Lowell with this elastic uh, band that keeps you connected to him. All right. <clears throat> that sounds really good. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun, actually. Last year, he, he uh, uh, pedaled up uh, the side of the volcano <laughs> at night. So that's something he can't do as uh, living with... Uh, so he can't he can't see it at night, but but in in this virtual swift world, uh, he was able to do that cycling uh, up to the side of a volcano at night, and of course with that elastic band, everyone can up with him. Right, yeah. Uh, so um, between now and June nineteenth, um, you're hoping that people will collect uh, pledges. Yes. So uh, you can go to cyclefirstsite.ca uh, and sign up. You can join a team, or you can bring your own team out and have your own fun. Uh, there's lots of uh, different incentives. So at, at $100, you get a map at, at uh, a fighting blindness map. At uh, $250, you get a jersey plus the map. Uh, we have these uh, donated to us uh, some designer sunglasses. Uh, so that's and then and then it goes on. Um, so if you're able to encourage your friends to support this moment in time and coming moment in time in vision research, uh, get active, help help your mental wellness during the pandemic here, and and support uh, vision research with Fighting Blindness Canada. Okay. And that's all at cycleforsight.ca. All right, that's great, terrific. And um, will you be? Uh, uh, closing donations after June nineteenth, or is there kind of a uh, a grace period afterwards? Oh, there's a grace period. We're <laughs> always happy to support this critical vital vision research. Mm -hmm. Terrific. Yes. So yes, we'll collect money until the end of June. Oh, okay. For this uh, event, and then of course we have our fall lineup. Your fall lineup? Did you say? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. The ride, the ride for sight. We have comedy from the couch, and a new event, Eye on the Cure. Oh. We'll be happy to share with you as we get closer. Yes. Okay. Well, we'll certainly, definitely have that to look forward to. Um, and there were a couple of other uh, topics that you wanted to uh, touch on today. Yeah, there's just a couple of things that we're doing that might be of interest to your listeners. Mm -hmm. uh, the health charities have banded together to encourage the government to prioritize second dose uh, for vaccines uh, for people living with uh, comorbidities. So uh, more than half of the people that have uh, unfortunately died because of COVID had comorbidities. So whether it's uh, vision loss, diabetes, 
uh, we've banded together to prioritize that. Uh, there is the, the letter is on fightingblindness.ca, and of course, I uh, encourage people if they want to send it off to their the local MPP. Uh, and and we have some uh, also this uh, this is the uh, May of course was Vision Health Month in Canada, and we uh, released a new cost of vision loss and blindness report in Canada, updating all of our numbers, uh, which I'm happy to chat about. Okay. Um... Uh, well, perhaps you could explain that uh, for us. Sure. So uh, uh, the Canadian Council of the Blind contracted with Deloitte Access Economics to uh, prepare a new report on the cost of vision loss and blindness in Canada, and they invited the Fighting Blindness Canada uh, and the Canadian Association of Optometrists and the Canadian Ophthalmological Society, which is the ophthalmologist, uh, to partner with them. Uh, and others to uh, to provide information uh, in the vision loss community, so that we actually could find out what's happening. You know, what has happened in the last since the last report that was based on 2007 data. So it, it, the numbers have changed. Uh, but now there is over eight million people in Canada that are living with a blinding eye disease that, if left undiagnosed or if left untreated, could end up uh, leading to blindness. Mm-hmm. So uh, that one in, basically one in five Canadians wow. uh, are living with a blinding eye disease. And, and many of them, like with glaucoma, don't know it. And and they're not actively getting it, it uh, treated. So that, that's why we're calling it the report, basically, is leading up to the call that, that this is an emerging crisis of preventable blindness. Already up to over 8 million people, 1.2 million have experienced vision loss already. And that's 50% higher than the last report back in 2007. So the numbers are going up because people uh, are not getting uh, diagnosed early and and getting uh, access to treatment, which is critical because research has delivered treatment for three out of four of those people if they're diagnosed early enough that we can stabilize their sight and, and their vision loss does not have to progress. Mm-hmm. So, it, so the, the best way to do that is by getting a regular eye exam. Uh, and, and if you're over the age of 40, then that's once every two years. If you're over the age of 65, it should be every year because uh, many of these conditions like glaucoma, age-related macular degeneration, uh, diabetes vision complications or cataracts uh, occur later in life. So it is absolutely critical to have a comprehensive uh, regular eye exam with, with your eye specialist uh, in order to diagnose early so you can access these treatments. And hopefully you're part of the 75% that, that the treatments do stabilize your sight. And, of course, we're, we're trying that Fighting Blindness Canada to fund research uh, so that the, the one in four that don't have a treatment that works will have access to it, but also... Uh, for those that are later in the disease when they get their diagnosis, that they would have treatment options. Mm-hmm. And, and it's sad. One of the findings of the report is that there was just over $20 million worth of vision research in Canada. Uh, and when you think that the Canadian Institute of Health Research, a federal government research agency, has a billion-dollar budget and only $20 million is being invested in vision research, it does, it does say that that we need to do something because, as, as I noticed, the number has gone up by 
Yes. Now, the other part is what, what is the cost today? So what, what is the uh, in social economic impact on Canada for vision loss in 2019 was $32.9 billion. Mm. Uh, and it's expected to grow, if we do nothing, uh, to $56 billion in uh, 2050. So it, it is having a major impact. Now, now there's some interesting findings in the report. So the, the cost, the direct health care cost is $9.4 billion, which is basically what it was back in, uh, in the last report in 2000, using the 2007 data. And a part of that is even uh, within that number, the cost of pharmaceuticals has gone up by about, about a billion dollars. Wow. Yet, yet the cost uh, basically flatlined. So, so that says to us, and, and with the research that Deloitte found, uh, that, that the introduction of innovative treatments is making a difference in slowing the progression of people moving from mild to moderate severe vision loss, i.e. blindness at severe, at the severe ranking. Mm-hmm. And, that, and so that billion-dollar investment in this innovative treatments that research delivers is stabilizing sight. Over 100,000 Canadians are receiving an anti-VEGF treatment right now. There are other procedures, surgical procedures, in new treatments, but that, that anti-VEGF treating the AMD, uh, uh, the age-related macular degeneration and the diabetic-related uh, uh, vision loss uh, diseases uh, have had a major impact in slowing uh, the progression of eyesight and therefore the, the cost of direct health care. Uh, other, other costs include uh, $6 billion for productivity and, and related costs. And, and the last uh, major line is the cost of well-being, uh, which is $17.4 billion. Wow. Uh, so that, and the cost of well-being gives, gives a, a financial evaluation of all the uh, mental health challenges that, that are causing anxiety, uh, fear of losing your job, financial insecurity, uh, depression, uh, all of those, all of those costs. Uh, all of those impacts of vision loss are recognized through this financial tool. That's $17.4 billion. And that, that's why, you know, we banded together with the Canadian Fighting Blindness Canada, the Canadian Council of the Blind, um, our, our medical partners, the optometrists and ophthalmologists, in order to call for a vision health care strategy. Uh, you know, the government of Canada has promised it three times since 2003, the World Health Organization of Canadians have developed this plan, but they haven't yet. It's, it's, uh, so three times since 2003 they've made the promise, and we're, we're really asking Canadians to help us, encourage the government to sit down, let's get this plan in place, because we can prevent blindness. Uh, it's very, there's very simple health policy decisions that can be made uh, to promote uh, the reduction of blindness. And, and the preventable blindness, encourage uh, that we prevent blindness, and we're calling on Canadians to help us. So we have a, a website. It's called stopvisionloss.ca, and there's a petition uh, that we're asking Canadians to sign to support our call up on the federal government to show its leadership to fulfill its promise that it's made three times in the, since 2003 in order to develop a vision health care plan so that we can prevent blindness. Oh, 
Okay, that's great. So uh, the report is up there as well on that stopvisionloss.ca? Yes, yes. So you can get uh, Dr. Keith Gordon, uh, who is the research, uh, he's the principal investigator for the report, did a summary of what Deloitte prepared. Deloitte, you can get a copy of Deloitte's report at stopvisionloss.ca. Uh, you can get the delay report. It's 150 pages, and and, and uh, uh, it it is uh, accessible as well uh, for screen readers. Uh, and then, uh, uh, but Dr. Gordon did a summary uh, in French and English uh, about the about the delay report, which sort of encapsulates it in 20 pages or so. Uh, what are the key key findings and uh, the key key points about what has happened in the last decade. You know, take things like the fact that government has not increased, them, uh, basically it's flatlined the number of cataract surgeries uh, in Canada. In Ontario, it's, it's roughly been about 145,000 surgeries a year uh, for cataracts. And, and that, that's not keeping up with demand. We, the Deloitte found evidence that, that because they flatlined the number of surgeries they fund, that, that people are going on to the wait list. And, of course, that, that means that, that the, it's more complex surgery. Uh, it's uh, the, the recovery, the health outcomes from the surgery are not as, as, as good sometimes when you wait. Of course, people have a greater risk of falls uh, while they're waiting for these uh, cataract surgeries. So we're, you know, that's all a part of what we're going to be talking about is, as the cost of vision loss. Uh, and blindness report as we move forward, uh, and, and we're encouraging people to, to visit stopvisionloss.ca, find the petition, and we'll keep in touch about about our different actions that we're trying to encourage uh, to develop this vision health care plan uh, to prevent blindness. Okay. Well, that is quite a bit that we've learned uh, today, and uh, quite a bit for people to absorb. So I. Hope everyone remembers all of those uh, websites or had the chance to uh, to jot them down. Thank you for chatting with us about uh, everything that um, Fighting Blindness Canada is uh, continuing to do to uh, help people, uh, Canadians, to, to save their sight. Thanks, David, for having me and, and, uh, and, and your listeners. Please oh. stand up and take action. Yes, definitely, because um, you need people's help to uh, carry all of these things forward. Absolutely. Thanks again, uh, Doug, and we'll talk to you later this summer. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye now. That's Insight Peterborough for this week. Thanks so much for joining me, and I hope that you'll be able to Drop in again next week. Until then, enjoy yourself and stay cool. Bye for now.